lift, if I can. Good. That thunder. That was thunder. Is it raining? Us? I haven't got. Do you have an umbrella? Uh, could be raining. I do have an umbrella, which you'll probably need. <gasps> I'm scared. I don't. I don't believe in umbrellas. Just park that aside for a second. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in umbrellas. What do you mean you don't believe in umbrellas? I don't believe that you need them. But you've used an umbrella in your life. Yeah, yeah, I believe they exist. I don't believe in the the use of them in life. You've, not, in you've not walked down the street with it raining and you've put an umbrella up and gone, oh, wow, now I'm dry. Firstly, it is it maybe happens to me once a year where I'm walking slash standing in the rain for such a prolonged period of time that I'm like, oh my God, I'm really wet. I should have brought out an umbrella. But like that happens once. Am I to bring an umbrella out? Constantly, that that might happen. If you check the weather, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, I normally. But what, how often do you get stuck walking or waiting in the well, rain? Well, I in walk. London? I it, part of my commute is a significant walk from the tube to my office. How long? Fifteen minutes. You don't need an umbrella. I I, I do. If you where's At, the cover? What what where, where you're going to work? You don't need. If you're a bit damp, what yeah, happens? No, 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 no. Have you been in a rainstorm? Yeah. It's not a bit damp. I was in, I was in one soaked. the other day. You're I, soaked. I love it. No, you know, I love it. It's I never, I never feel more alive when I'm oh, in the rain. Oh, right, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, if, you, if you get there and you're soaked, I mean, that's a horrible start today. And it's the horrible driving London miserable That never rain. happens, though. You never you really get stuck in the rain. More. And the rain isn't so prolonged. It is. You're it like, I'm outside. I'm outside, baby. <laughs> I'm out there and I'm loving it. Do you believe it. in umbrellas? No. A mini umbrella. Everyone's like, great. we should bring an umbrella. I'm like, I guess, whatever. Also, because if you bring an umbrella, you never need it. That's the never thing. need it. But you do. I, I, umbrellas have their purpose. If I, maybe like, because like women have more likely to have a handbag, which like you can get those small ones, which I think is fine. But as a man, I'm just gonna hold it. Even the small ones in my you hear pocket. That? Do you hear it's that raining. outside? It's, it's raining. raining. And you have a you have a literally 90 second walk to the station. Yeah, that's fine here. But there are other times when you have a longer walk and you get soaked. You get soaked. You do. I just think like- And you arrive at your what? destination. But how many times does that happen in a year? I could say, well, I take an umbrella with me, so it, it doesn't happen. But like, if I didn't take an umbrella, I'd say 10 times. And most of the time, the rain is not heavy enough that I would be wet to the point where it would make me unhappy. It's what? like, it drizzles and I'm like, oh, I'm a bit what wet. What happened when we went to the crown premiere? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. It was a memory and we turned up wet. We were alive. We were laughing, running all the way. You're so it was radical. so happy. Oh, are you so? I don't. And then I we don't were like, we're not suits, but we were wet, and it was like, oh my like, god, it is we're really here. Yeah, it's really. That's going. umbrella weather. That is an umbrella worthy storm. But you're not going anywhere where you need it. I. That, you're going to go on the tube in ninety seconds once you leave my okay, flat. Okay, when I get to my, my end destination, it's a five minute walk from my tube to you my flat. You don't need an umbrella. And then you're going to the safety of your home, where you're going to take your clothes off anyway, have a shower, and it's go to still, bed. It's still, it's still unpleasant. You're, you're mitigating the unpleasantness of, of, of the. Who wants to ride? Rain is unpleasant. Yeah, it Gr is. I'll grow up. What do you mean it's I'm not unpleasant? <laughs> it's not that if unpleasant. I had a Gatling you, no, gun of if, water. If you, and I, okay, if I got a hundred school children just to shoot you with a water pistol on your way to your flat, you'd say, oh, that was unpleasant. That's ridiculous. That's I'd be really upset like. about it. <laughs> right? Of course, it's unpleasant. If, if you were it's cold, a keynote it's speaker at a conference about personal appearance and hairstyles, I'd be like, okay, that five minute walk in heavy rain is a problem for you. You need an umbrella. But you are going home to the safety of your entire wardrobe. You, you feel damp. It makes you feel. It's the way it makes you feel. I don't why that's, you, that's why heavy would you rain not right want there. an umbrella for this weather? Why would you not take an umbrella for this? I don't need to go anywhere. I'm you're telling me you rain. hear this right now, and you're this is and it, you just, go, it just, and you for this go, conversation. I don't it just it. happens to be raining.
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. <laughs> ten days for anyone listening. Ten, ten days ten we days actually between... have dust on the microphone. I think be as always unbeknownst to our to our audience. Uninterrupted service. Uninterrupted. George, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being here today. You it's are my pleasure. Red, relatively fresh. Well not fresh, but you're fresh off of a what, eight, nine hour flight? A uh, nine hour flight from Orlando to London. Thank um, you very much for being here. Uh, it's okay. Uh, you know, and the thing is about uh, uh, an overnight flight is you don't really sleep. No. You don't even sleep properly. I got a few good, more hours than I expected. Um, I think you take yeah. your hours of sleep on a plane and you, you're lucky if you get a third of what you got. Yeah. So if you got, yeah. if you got three hours, you're lucky to felt like you got one. Yeah. That's, that's usually how it is. If you sleep for eight hours on a flight, you're really getting three. So we, we had no other choice but to record today, which is I'm fine. I'm away tomorrow and for the rest of the week. It just had to happen. And we are committed to delivering a service for you guys. We're coming at you. So uh, I'm underslept. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't know what time of day it is, but I'm here. <laughs> and then I've got I'm some present. films to talk about today. It's been a busy time. We're going to talk about The Creator. Yes. Hitman, which is R- Richard Linklater's uh, new film. Yep. Uh, and then Priscilla, which is the upcoming, upcoming Sofia Coppola film. And then later in bonus, we're going to talk about Dumb Money, which has already yes. come out. And I know what you're thinking. That's quite a lot of James. I actually prefer the blonde guy. Well, fear not. <laughs> Next week, George will be back with a vengeance. Yes. Um, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of being very underslept. Yes. Yesterday, I was really underslept. Mm-hmm. I had a shoot out of London, mm-hmm. 7 a.m. call time, which meant a 4 a.m. wake up Ooh. with like a nearly two hour drive. And went to fleet services, very good services for people who know their services. Mm. And it's like, even the services aren't open yet. They're like just oh. about open. So we get there at like five to six. And there's like, you know, the external Starbucks to the internal, mm. internal Starbucks. We went to the external one, which is a bit more 24 hour. And it, it opens at six and it's like 6.02. And I feel sorry for the people working in there. There's like four members of staff, just they're zombies, just do the tsh- yeah. thing, unlock the thing. And we're like 6.02, open at six. So we knock on the door and one of them's like, Oh, they're robbing their <laughs> eyes. And they're like, oh, so four, so so thing. Got like, open the door. The door. And this woman who looked so pissed off to be working there. And I was trying to be, and we were trying to be nice, but she comes up, makes direct eye contact, unlocks the door, and just turns around <laughs> and walks away, like doesn't oh, open the door. Savage. Just like, and I just walked in, I was like, I'm sorry, please can I have a grande iced cold brew? <laughs> but yeah, was, that was That's a nice tiring. little interaction. I had a very... Um, I think American interaction where uh, we had to get some shopping, uh, you know, just like um, food shop. Yeah. And I was <laughs> what feel, they call it. Yeah, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not going, you know, I wasn't mm. like doing clothes shopping or anything, yeah. but like doing a food shop. And I, I've noticed that like uh, in my own personal experience, I don't want to speak for a whole nation, but that like a lot of Americans, at least where I were, will just sort of tune in and out of what you're saying. Like 
nearby is if you, like like they'll eavesdrop right and they'll they'll just sort of either come into your conversation or react to it you know yeah. like quite openly like it's an open forum so we were talking about the fact that in this food shop like there was like products from like australia and and across the world and just like it's really mad that, that things have come so far and and we were talking about how things are like grown in one continent flown cleaned in another packaged in another and then ultimately arrive at this place in in florida and there's a guy i want to easily you know a few meters away yeah. and he's like you know doing his shop and i can see him like shaking his head in, in, a, in a chucklesome way in yeah. a pleasant way good and then he like walks past us and just up and over and goes, makes a scratch your head, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a head scratcher. And then just like carries on with his car. That's it. That was the that was the limit of interaction. Yeah. As if like it was a YouTube video and yeah, he'd like fake. made a little comment. It's a head scratcher, isn't it? A Brit would never. <laughs> no. Not really. How yeah. dare you? So as you do when you go on transatlantic flights, I I and long haul flights, mm. was, was watching some films. Yes. First of all, I did what you did, do, do a little survey mm. of what people are watching. So obviously on the flight to Orlando, you know, a predominant, maybe 70% of people oh, are going to Disney. Oh, okay. Go on, yeah, I was going to say, you can let me guess. Is, was it, was there like a clear... Oh, no, I'll let, I'll, yeah, I'll let you guess. I'll just say, there was, you know, you just got to remember the audience. You've got a yeah. lot of people going out to Disney or, or Universal, you mm. know, the theme parks. Okay, well, James, what do you think? You know, great selection of films on, yeah, on as always. my airline provider. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. Uh, uh, what do you think was uh, across a lot of? Well, you did just say a Disney thing, but outside of that, I would guess Barbie is showing on planes no, now. No, not no, yet. No, not like, not no. Barbie on Oppenheimer. Uh, so Disney. Uh, what's been out? Well, there oh, is, Little Mermaid. Uh, yes, I, would say I saw one or two screens for that. Yeah, there's no. one thing that's owned by Disney that you not are not thinking of. One of the biggest films to come out in the last twelve months. Black Panther? You didn't like it. Avatar? Yes. Uh, so a lot of avatars wow. on, on plane screens, which I thought was a bit of an insult to the, even though if you didn't like it, but I thought, really? Realistically, Reducing that's it? where it's going to be consumed. But if you've got a nine hour flight to kill. Great. Three and three hours, 15 minutes. That that flight is two and a half way of, way of the waters, the way of the way of water. It's also you still, the, can't get that right. The way of water. So stupid. <laughs> it's also the kind of film that I imagine in a not too, like distant future when we're all like locked onto headsets just yeah. trying to experience like under the sea i yeah. think avatar is like on the way to being that kind of just like ooh, content yeah. distract you from where you yeah, are yeah, be yeah. with ooh, the way of water <laughs> which is just holding your breath a bit longer than you thought you could what do you think was the second most watched film i saw on people's screens we're we still talking the disney verse no mm. recent recent not, film. big film not barbie yet because that would be big um even anna watched it have I seen it? Yes. Have I? You have also I like it? watched it on a plane. Oh, I seen it and I watched it on a plane. And I believe your review went, "Yeah, this is great. Like, don't get me wrong, uh, amazing, wonderful. But what is this doing in this film? Oh, I don't remember that review. So go on. It's Elvis. Uh, so you yeah, were yeah, you were like yeah. Austin Butler, <laughs> amazing. Don't get me wrong. Tom Hanks, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing here? For the rest of the week, Adam and I we kept going, my boy, my boy. You know, he does that the whole yeah, yeah. My boy. Yeah. Oh, nice. So that was the little uh, view. But anyway, what I watched, just thought I'd give you a little feedback. Mm, yes, please. We are a film podcast. Um, Sorry, is this your own provided film or on the screen? That on the screen. Provide? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I'm not like you. But they oh, they yeah. had enough to fill my time. You yeah. Know. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. 
Hugely enjoyed that. Isn't it great? Massively. Isn't I it really it was fun? Really great fun. Really surprised me. <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that stuff. <laughs> it's really hard for me to tell this story without Jonathan here. Uh, it's I, I, lo- I actually really loved it. It's really I funny. Really, the whole Guardians get the Galaxy comparison, I think, yeah. is really apt. Chris Pine, Nez, all of them are just. It's not really a weak link. All of them comically and comedically do their thing. You're so ready to dislike it just from the way it looks and I guess yeah. the IP and the look of it, but it. I never felt excluded yeah. as a person who'd never engaged with Dungeons and, Dra- Dungeons and Dragons. Hugh Grant time. having loads oh, of fun. Just, just so good. I didn't think you'd actually dink the, your, your finger in the tea, but the tea <laughs> yeah. is scalding hot, so thank a you. A good little high sing and the rules with the portal yeah. and all oh, brilliant. of that. Just, brilliant. just worked. I, re- I was yeah. really, I was chuckling along and I actually looked forward to watching it with some like wider family at like Christmas. Great plane movie selection, by the way. Thank you very exactly. much. Like you've heard it's a thumbs up. Yeah. You could not care if yeah. the captain made an announcement in a pivotal scene yeah. but and then it's like you know yeah it's just good it's, it's a bit, low you know, effort it's, low energy it's like it's a bit longer than it needs to be it's like two hours sure. 15 but that on a plane that's fine i, I really yeah. i really really enjoyed it and yeah. like it's probably like one of the biggest surprises of the year isn't oh, it it's like sure. oh this is actually a solid for great sure. bit of fun that and then because recently there was a thing called like batman day i was like <laughs> and it had been in my head comments, no. but i was no no no. this is good so i was like you know what i i haven't watched the dark knight in probably like over 10 years, Mm. right? I watched it at the cinema when it came out. I probably watched it two years later and then I never watched it again. Well, okay. Not because I didn't like it, but I think because I liked it, but people, you know what? The Dark Knight has given rise to yeah. its own, you know, following and it's, it, it, you can't, you mention it and people, oh my God, the Dark Knight. Has and its own gravitational field. In exactly. That kind of put, put me off it a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, don't, I'm not going to say anything new about the Dark Knight. There's already been said. And I'm aware that like, it has like some, you know, there's a little bit of toxicity with the fans, like the, the admiration, sure. you know, probably love of it. Um, but I thought now I'm 10, 15 years after the release mm. and after the last time I saw it, I thought I'd watch it and it was quite good. Mm. <laughs> you know, it really was. I do, I did, that was the one I thought, mm, probably should have watched this on a bigger screen. Yeah. Um, and I, and actually the longer it went on, the more I enjoyed it. I don't think, I, I still don't think I like, came away thinking, oh, it's my favorite Nolan film or whatever. Yeah. I think it's a solid effort. I think it's the most interesting yeah. attempt it's a crime at that drama material. that happens to be a Batman film. Yeah, and I think that the, 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 the stuff towards the end that becomes more about like the, yeah, the moral dilemmas and the hog positioning of like Harvey Dent and Joker, like I really, I, I, I was like, oh, I'm into this. A great ending. I've always yeah. really liked that ending. Just about it's an the, ending turning that... the, the Harvey Dent's face over and going, no. Yeah. He's a hero Gotham And the, the swell of the music and that IMAX camera behind the bike. Yeah. The, the, the cane <laughs> whipping <laughs> off into the wind. Yeah. And the, the speech and... Yeah, you're just like, what a, what a film. Yeah, I, 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 film. Was, I was... I was I mean, like, shocker. The Dark Knight's yeah. quite a <laughs> yeah. good film. You tune into a film podcast, guys. Dark Knight, man. Um, <laughs> but I'm, yeah, and it was like, yeah, it's quite a film bro film, isn't it? But I, I have to say, I was like, oh, this yeah. is actually pretty solid. The stuff in the beginning with, like, Shanghai and stuff is, like, fine. I'm like, okay with that. But yeah. the more... The, the 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 terrorism of the Joker ramps up. Mm. The more interesting I think it becomes, mm. uh, and I, Heath Ledger's still great. That's good. A great scene when Heath Ledger's hanging upside down, yeah. laughing, and then off, they turn the camera, and he's like, he can't kill him, and he's like, yeah. "You and I yeah. are meant to do this forever. <laughs> I don't want to kill you. You're so much fun. <laughs> yeah. What would, what would I do without you? Yeah. You complete me." And he's like. Let her go. Yeah. <laughs> Poor choice of words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's still funny as a it's, joker. He's brilliant. He's yeah. brilliant. Um, and then <laughs> another hot take. Heath Ledger's joker. Hot take. <laughs> Dark Knight and Heath Ledger. Yeah. Very good. And then on the flight back yesterday, it I was a ruby. watched the size oh, of a tangerine. He had a ruby. <laughs> the size of a tangerine. And he threw it away for sport. For sport. 
Champagne. ジェシュマルシュワーバンアニバーソーリーアップウォーストアンアライクバーバンビギンズライクオールドスプラディプレスアップシュリカーディブリフトブラディロックアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンアンア
that the the hitman and Priscilla are part of the London Film Festival. Yes, that's what I've been doing this so week. So this is this is probably the first of three weeks we're going to have now of movie reviews based on the London Film Festival. Uh, so let's get into those, shall we? Before I completely run out of steam. So when I was away last week, James, one thing I missed was uh, our invitation to go to the IMAX to see a preview premiere of The Creator, the new film from Gareth... Edwards. Edwards, thank you. I was getting confused with Gareth Evans. Um, I saw you post some stuff on social media about it. It looked very exciting. A new science fiction original concept Mm -hmm. movie. Mm Mm-hmm. What's going on? Got to meet him. There's a nice Q and A. Instead of you coming, I took Magic Ollie. You know Magic yes, Ollie. Yes, a friend yeah. of ours who, well, a friend of James's, who's friend of, friend of the show, friend of the show, who can do absolutely fantastic magic. He's witchcraft, very good. really. Yeah, really good. He, I mean, like he comes to my birthday and my friend's birthdays, but it's like having a magician that you pay oh, yeah. for just turn up. It's really, really good. I've said to him he needs to do it in the dispassionate kind of David Blaine way of doing it. Hey, yeah. Hey, you want to see some magic? Look at this quarter. What about it now? See, it's actually through the hand. Whoa, it's through the head. First of all, what I'll say, George amazing seats at the IMAX. They have. Seats, yeah, I would, yeah. we were put, no, 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 like we were given. Oh, they were given you. Right, smack bang in oh. the middle, just a tiny bit lower than halfway up. So the size of the screen is almost sort of like towering over you. I felt very important. Oh, nice. I felt very special. PR lady was like, oh God, I've got your tickets here. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. <laughs> and where's George? Who? Cut what? <laughs> yeah. So it included a Q&A with Gareth Edwards and the great Edith Bowman came out and did a very sort of like softly spoken uh, yes. conversation with him all about it. And it was really nice. And Gareth, uh, Gareth Edwards, who, you know, he did the 2014 Godzilla, he did Monsters before that. And he, sh- he did Rogue One. He yes. directed Rogue One, which I'd say from our perspective is probably one of the better products that Star Wars have made since the Disney acquisition. Yes. I think a lot of people yeah. would agree with that. It had a, we know Definitely. it had a very troubled production. Yes. If you look at the early trailers, there were shots in those trailers that didn't make it into the film. We had heard that there were, I think, reshoots. rewrites and reshoots, yeah. right? And from our perspective, while we know that, I think the film ultimately works and is, yes. is it one of the better Star Wars films we can point at. But I think I was aware that Gareth Edwards, before this film, had had basically a bad time making it. And there are certain comments that he's made, both in the Q&A that I saw and in other interviews, which sort of very much allude to the fact that he had a really bad time making that film, and that he was ever so slightly scarred by that whole process. Big studio, lots of pressure, huge IP, but at the same time, he loved Star Wars, he loved sci-fi, mm. and he was like, I was never going to turn down the opportunity, mm. so these are, these are his, wor- his words, to tell a story in the best story universe of all time, right? And so you could look at that, and I think a lot of directors would potentially come from a very bad experience and go... Big sci-fi, big idea, big studio. A lot of people might actually withdraw mm. from that kind of movie making. But I think what instead he's done is he's really gone, no, no, I love sci-fi. I love telling big stories. Like he, always, he always has a good sense of scale, I think, mm. in Rogue One and in, and in Godzilla. I want to tell these types of stories, but what I want to do is tell it in my way. And that's exactly what I think the creator is. Has a budget of eighty million dollars, mm. which if you told me it was one hundred and eighty, I would have believed you. And um, in the Q and A, uh, what he said was that he looked at um, how much it would cost to build sets in a studio and do it on green screen, and he realised that it was going to cost more to do that than take a much smaller crew to Cambodia, Thailand, Nepal, mm. the places he wanted to film, 
and film that instead. And so he decided to basically have a smaller film budget, not that you can tell, mm. and actually go to the locations that they filmed And do at. it like they used to. And do it, basically do it like they used to. Which is a bit like how he did in Monsters. I don't know if yes, you've ever seen that. I think it was back to basics of like... Because one thing that's... I don't, have you ever no, seen, no, I haven't seen one it. Thing, um, sorry to interrupt, but the one thing that they do, that, that made that film stand out at the time, <coughs> is like that's shot in like Mexico and the US-Mexican border. But it's like, it's real location and then after effects, you know, special effects put in afterwards this that Gareth exactly Edwards basically said he did from his bedroom. Yeah. And it was made for like a bunch of like £100,000 or something, really yeah. tiny. But that's clearly carried forward, so that's great. He has this sort of approach where he talks about like, yeah, like we sort of, it's sort of a shoot and see approach, mm. which I'll get onto a bit later, but it's like, yeah, like we just, I found myself here in Halong Bay and I had like a little like commercial drone up and I just popped it up and got that shot and that made it in. Great. Then I was like, yeah, like while that while they were warming up, I actually got that actor and we're like, let's just shoot something over here. Mm. And I think he he doesn't like to be, you know, locked in mm. and creatively for the day. And so it's interesting, again, like could have recoiled from trying to do something so big and ambitious or big idea. And he's not done that. And what he's made is the creator. And what we have in the creator, it's set in a world like ours. And it starts with this really interesting opening sort of five minute montage of a brief history of how AI got integrated into society. Mm. So it starts with like, they'll hoover your home for you and make you dinner. Mm. And also they'll like shoot machine guns and go to war. And you can see how like these machines with faces become integrated into a society. And then what happens is this escalates and you get sort of, uh, you know, fake archive footage of congressmen in, in mm. you know, in the US talking about we we're going to ban this. And something happens and the AI nuke Los Angeles. Whoa. And millions of people die. And so because of that, the US declare, or the West, sorry, the West declares war on AI. And the East, again, they like just called the East, uh, or the new United Asian territories, mm -hmm. um, are very much of the opinion that AI is sentient and is real and the pain they feel is real and they should be regarded as real. We're going to keep developing and building AI and they are very much a proliferated hmm. in the East. And um, it's set in 2065 when the film starts and caught in the middle is ex-Special Forces agent Joshua um, who's recruited to hunt down and kill the creator or Nermata. Um, and I'm going to do a very light touch of plot here because I have heard some other people talk about the film and I think too much detail. So I'm going to give stuff which is very much in the opening few minutes yeah. of the film. Uh, he's like, recruited to hunt down and kill the creator who is the elusive architect of a more advanced AI, right? And it's basically this idea, this AI is going to be a weapon that will control all technology, okay? And they soon discover, and this is very much in the trailer, that the world-ending weapon is an AI in the form of a young child, mm. right? So there's this whole reveal to, to get this vault and what they find is a young child, which is sort of, again, very familiar territory mm. for lots of other films. Yeah. While that is happening in the plot, Joshua is also in pursuit of a personal connection from his past. And that's all I'm going to say because I think okay. you, you want to basically find that out for yourself. If, like me, you love sci-fi and you looked at the post of this film and you've looked at the trailers for this film, you can sort of rub your hands together and go, oh, there's so many... There's so many things for me to be excited about. The references to other great sci-fi films in this are like so, it really wears them on its sleeve. Mm. There's numerous. I wrote down Blade Runner, Ex Machina, Aliens, District 9, mm. Star Wars mostly, which is actually quite ironic considering mm. that he's just come off a Star Wars project and he's made mm. a film that like very similar yes. to Star Wars. There's even a Death Star-esque type weapon that like shoots down from space huh. that's like a a real sort of like turning point yes. for the plot of like, will it or will it or will it? That's like a real sort of like, will it or won't it? Apocalypse Now as well, you mm. could look out and really see yeah, that. Yeah, I got that kind of vibe, especially when you turned the way he was shooting. I was like, sounds like Coppola going yeah. out to Vietnam and shooting uh, 100%. Um, I really like the design of the AI. Um, it's kind of, if you looked at them head on, you wouldn't really know because they have 
some of them have humanoid faces, but when they turn their head, there's this hollow cylinder. Mm. So like this idea of like the brain being hollow, but mm. inside it you can see cogs turning and, and mm. moving. And when they operate on each other, they stick their little nubbin inside the hole and do some tweaking and right. like Gnarly. comic screwdriver type thing. Um, and like very similar to Ex Machina, I thought the design of the synthetic robots mm. was just great. Uh, Gareth Edwards talked about references to 80s technology, like the Sony Walkman mm. and the sort of Nintendo consoles, like hard diagonal lines and things flowing. Mm-hmm. And it just, um, I just really liked it. I thought that design was really striking. I could see where it was borrowing from but it felt really original. And I was like, that feels like your own thing, even though I can see what you're borrowing from. Um, Like a lot of this film, um, so much of it does feel like an iteration on great sci-fi, but I think it's very well reimagined. And so much of it feels distinct Mm. and original. I loved the world that he created. As soon as he started, it felt like soaking into a nice hot sci-fi bath. If you like sci-fi, you're like, yeah, like I get that. I'm in. Good design, interesting ideas. Yes, lots of things flowing. Um, we know we just talked about that whole approach of like shooting first and then painting and stuff later. I think the CG in this film is the best modern use of CG I've seen in a really long time. Oh, wow. It's so, so well done. And I think, th- I almost want to sort of say, I want other creators to look at this and go shoot somewhere first get your actual thing mm. and then go in and paint mm-hmm. what's there. So I can tell- Go outside. Go outside and see things, take people out. Um, Stop and, shooting it, sorry. sorry yeah. the, the, what was that thing you said they shoot the, like, the Mandalorian on? The, the, the volume. Yeah, yeah. So stop shooting in the volume. Yeah, which, is, which works better than green screen, but yeah. still it's like, go, go and actually like be in a real place. It's also not a film that, like, you look at a Christopher Nolan film and be like, there's CG, but he paints with a very light, fine brush. Mm. It's a very heavily- CG shot, there are lots of CG shots, but just it felt real, it felt there. Even the bits which definitely aren't, mm. could possibly be there. I'm like, that looks like it's there. Mm. And I, again, I just implore other filmmakers to go, let's just like look about that, look at that and see how it is. Um, so again, in the Q&A, which I'm gonna reference in my review, he talked a lot about the relationship with making a film, how you can start the process with an idea and you're on such a high, mm. and then you go to write it and you realize your idea is broken, it's a low, and then you go to start, you fix it and you shoot and it's a high, but then over the course of shooting, you're like, what the hell have I done? Mm. It's a real low, and then you get your first assembly. And you look at it and you're like, oh my God, what have I done? And he talked about this, this process where he watched a first five hour cut of the creator with no score and no visual effects. And he was like, how the hell do I loop this all together and edit it so it makes it fit? Uh, it's funny he said that because I kind of feel like it comes across. Uh-huh. I feel like I can see a larger cut of a film that has had lots of stuff lifted from it and uh, things have been stitched together but in a way that feels a little bit fragmented. I don't know if maybe there was a lull in the middle or some threads in there feel like spare parts. Mm. And I think back to scenes earlier after I've now seen the film and I think, where was that going? Mm. So it does go on to have a really good ending and a really good finale. And I was very satisfying and cathartic. And when it ends, I had a big smile on my face because I thought, oh, that's a really, really good, good ending. And then I saw a lot of the main beats of the plot coming from a mile away. Mm. So I'm thinking as I'm watching it, I could still tell what was gonna happen. Was that meant to be a big reveal or plot twist or did you already know I was gonna kind of figure that out? Mm. I couldn't quite tell. So I'm not sure how interested I was in the middle of it, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I think John David Washington is great. Uh, Madeline Una Voiles, who's the child called Alfie, is also also brilliant. There's loads of great moments of humor between them, which I thought really worked. And um, you know, coming out of it, I can't tell if I feel sorry for Gareth Edwards 
because he started writing this film in 2017, 2018. And there's a certain irony of the fact that actors are literally not allowed to promote this film because they're currently on strike. And yeah. one of the main points of contention over like AI being used to mm. replicate actors and this whole idea of what's really human mm. and should you be doing it. I can't tell if this film is really relevant or it's already dated. I can't huh. quite see the forest for the trees on that yet. Huh. But I think what you will come away from it is that that is a really good sci-fi film, a feast for the eyes, made by someone who clearly has an enormous passion for that genre for people who also love sci-fi. That's fantastic. Well, that's a really... I, I'm, I'm keen to watch it as I was last week, but I'll, I'll try and catch up. Yeah. Um, I think that's... Yeah, I'm... It just goes to show when when you when you talk about the idea of like a massive cut and whittling it down. Yeah, and, and it's always important to keep this in the back of our mind. Making a film so is hard. really hard. So like hard. we we understand that, and, I, and 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 we try not to be flippant because it's easy to just see the front, the tip of the iceberg above the water, and go, oh well, nothing. And then you don't realize all the work and all the brain power. All the time years of work into one two hour screening. And it's yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Evening <laughs> evenings late home and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So anyway, if you've seen the crater and you'd like to write in and tell us your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, you can do that by doing that. <laughs> what I will also say is that, um, so we had a Q&A with him afterwards, which was great. Yes. And it was called, like, it was the invitation to go was like, see the film Creator and IMAX with Q&A with Gareth Edwards. And I thought we'd be able to ask questions, ah, no, no, no. but you couldn't. It it's, was sort of being live streamed. It's Edith asking questions and you watch, you know, they couldn't really get a mic to us anyway. But I was like, oh, I really want to ask him a question. Like, he's there, can I see him? He like sort of got escorted out the cinema at the end of the Q&A and I was like, oh shit, it'd be great to speak to him. And then I come down the foyer and who's there just standing in the middle? Gareth Edwards, mm. waiting, just like having a chit chat. And you know, he's being pulled in like six different directions and people are asking for photos and things. I was like, oh, I'd love to just get a question out of him. Mainly content for my podcast, <laughs> just take a photo to put on social media, but it would just be really great to meet him. So I realized I maybe had like 10 seconds because every time someone had a picture, it's like taking them away. And I asked a really sort of nerdy specific question. A few weeks ago, I said that he shot the, the whole film on this tiny like prosumer camera. Yeah. And I was really surprised at how good it looks and how you'd never tell. And he's, he, I thought he shot it in like an, a, a very stretched anamorphic, but I wasn't sure. So I wanted to ask him. So I said to Gareth, I was like, oh, Gareth, do you mind if I just quickly ask you a question about the film? And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, it's quite nerdy cinematography stuff. And he was like, oh yeah, go for it. And I was like, I know you shot on the FX3 and that's so interesting that you do that. And you've also shot anamorphic, but like, why? Why do that for this film? What effect does that create on your shot and why do it? And he was like, well, I actually use like a 2X anamorphic lens from the 1970s, which you get extra depth of field for photography sensor. And I also wanted the, this is, people won't know what I'm talking about. The camera has a dual native 12,800 ISO, which means I could shoot in at the dark, which I really wanted to do. And then I just didn't want to hold a big camera. Huh. And I was like, but yeah, it was the anamorphic thing. And he said, there's a version of the film, which is even more stretched out because he had to cut off the sides of his mm. film. Uh, and he says, like, only Tarantino was able to screen it with The Hateful Eight, but hopefully I'll be able to screen my film in that way. And I was like, oh my God, thanks so much. If you speak cinematography, <laughs> I would like to translate what <laughs> James just says. Uh, no, that's really interesting. And, and good yeah. on you for getting in there. I for, just on did. behalf of all of us, and getting in there. I feel like I questions. sort of threw a question at him a little bit, yeah. but he wasn't phased at all. He was like, yeah, we did that. That was it. James, I can guarantee he would much rather have that question than, yeah. um, I just thought I saw a reference in there to C-3PO. Yeah. Could, you, <laughs> yeah. could you confirm whether or not, oh, what's your favourite Star Wars I film? I thought it was similar to Blade Runner. Yeah. Mmm, like, yeah. <laughs> hot take. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's really good. I hope people go and see it. Well, really good with a touch of a bit flawed here and there. but like, Yeah, worth seeing. If you love sci-fi, you're going to have a great time. Cool. 
James is regular listeners to the show will know I'm a huge Richard Linklater fan. Mm-hmm. Whenever he hears a new film out, I'm always very interested. Mm-hmm. See previous episodes for mm-hmm. discussions about his work. He has a new film that's coming out, a release date that has not even been announced yet. Nope. But it's a new f- film in the can. <laughs> that's that what I knew about it. It's yeah, a new, a new film, film from Richard Linklater <laughs> yeah. that you've been able to see. Tell us about it. So yeah, I have this really unique experience, which we never get the chance to do because... Not only do we like films, but we cover them on a weekly basis. Mm. So if something's coming out or happening, we're going to know about it. And I just sort of like was racking off a list of films I could see before I go away. And I see Hitman. It's like Hit Space Man, Mm. Richard Linklater, Glenn Powell. And I just know nothing about it. I do some like very hard Googling to find anything about it, not referencing the the films of the game series. And I see... It's, I don't even know what the tone is, but I see rom-com meets action comedy thriller. And my first instinct is, that's a lot of genres. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how I feel about trying to tackle all of those different things. And that's quite... But it's, yeah, it's really rare to just go in for a film in the morning with a festival crown and be like, I don't know what's going to happen. But like... That's good, though, in a way. It's, it's great. And it really works in the film's failure. I'm actually curious to see how they're going to cut a trailer for it. Mm. But annoyingly for you guys listening, there is no trailer, there is no poster, there is one like still lifted from the film of Glenn Powell, you know, looking cool in a thing. But like, yeah. I tell, again, nothing about it. So this is- So here's a best. review of a film that you will have not heard about, <laughs> that you maybe, won't be able to maybe, see soon. Yeah, maybe in a few weeks we'll- But we got in there first. And we'll, you know, we'll republish about the access. Review, about the access. So Glenn Powell uh, co-wrote this script. With Link later, which again, and, I realise when I see co-roted by... And Glenn Powell from Top Gun. Yes, you'll know from Top Gun Maverick and um, what else would I know him in? He's, He's been in a couple of rom-coms. This year, which I didn't see. Yeah, Devo- I think it was called Devotion. Devotion. I think it was, and he was in uh, like um, the, the setup, like a rom-com, I think. Yeah. Like, he's just been around. Handsome. He was in Hidden Figures as well, just John Glenn. He's oh, got like a okay, handsome yeah. kind of guy. Which is interesting because I think... I don't think he's been typecast but i think i've seen him do very similar things in mm. s- smaller supporting roles everybody wants some he was in that was the film he was in so richard Linklater's film from 2016 fine okay And i can almost imagine he's probably thought i've got so many more uh things to do i'm way more versatile than mm. anyone's gonna give me credit for why don't i write something and show off what i can do and this film really does do that so glenn powell plays gary who is a nerdy boring very mild philosophy professor who specializes in the identity of the self the projections of personality versus the internal perspective Mm. um who and this is loosely based off a true story from an article this whole premise right right? who in his spare time provides tech assistance for for the undercover police officers right wow so he's a very sort of like technological guy like microphones computers things and what they are, what they specialize in is trying to catch people who are attempting murder, but more specifically, people who go and try to hire a hitman to kill someone. Huh. So this could be like a, a partner, someone who's destroying their business, an enemy, anyone. The police will track down that communication and essentially intercept it with Mm. an undercover police officer pretending to be the hitman. Mm. They mic themselves up, have a meeting with the person, wait for them to incriminate themselves. And then when they do, police swarm in, you're under arrest for attempting the murder, you're hiring, Mm. solicit murder, whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, he's... He's basically, you know, on one of these things. And the guy who's meant to be undercover isn't going to do it. And they're like, oh, Gary, you need, can you just do a solid and step in? And he's like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not going to step in. Like, well, yeah, it's fine. Like, here's your identity. This is the persona. Just have a quick fleet read through. Just cooperate until they say something. And then we'll come in and arrest them. And he's like, 
oh god right fine he's like okay be cool you're a, hit, you're a hitman you're a hitman and he goes in and he speaks to this person in a diner and he's, he's kind of just dresses himself but he kind of almost like adopts this new personality and the first time he does it he has a real knack for it like he has a completely new sense of who he is he mm. becomes this like killer version of himself and they're like, holy shit, Gary, you were really good at that. You're really, really great. And so he ends up becoming the go-to guy for the police to like become the guy. So ah. he ends up adopting like hundreds of different personas. He meets all of these people. Some of them are glad people. Some of them are good people. Some of them are very misguided people. Yeah. But all of them are trying to ask him, hey, I want you to kill this guy. And he ends up taking them all down. And, you know, some of them, he's like dressed as a redneck. Some of he's like a sneaky biker. Yeah. And it's like that first sort of, part of the film is hit you just seeing him take down all of these people one particular character that he creates is called ron and ron is kind of similar looking to gary but he's very, he's like a thematic opposite he's very cool he's collected he's dangerous because he's a hitman right. he's kind of like a sort of you know, he dresses well his voice is deeper he's slick he's cool and he sort of accidentally stumbles upon this new persona as mm. ron like youth in revolt with michael Sarah. yeah kind of, <laughs> kind of like honestly not that far and he gets caught up in this elaborate unhinged twisted plot where he has no idea who gary is where ron ends and i, I get i really I, I had such a good time not knowing anything about the film mm. and i'm not going to reveal too much of what happens but you know it's a it's a rom-com thriller action comedy and i've not had so much fun in the cinema it's such a long time watching oh, this film. Wow. I was head back, slapping my knee, <laughs> really, really having a good time. It's crazy and unhinged. And it's a comedy that just kept every 10, 15 minutes, it was layering mm. the next thing, the next thing. I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe where this is going. I was surprised that I found it immediately funny. I was laughing within like a hundred seconds of it starting. Mm. Just good, consistent cracks. And then mm. the plot just evolves and evolves and evolves. It has this fine balance between being really high stakes and you're like this is just ridiculous but also all the characters and the delivery of the characters feels very normal mm. so it's really relatable and i just connect with all of these people they feel like real people in this crazy situation um glenn powell just mm. again i totally get why you wrote this for yourself because you're like i can do so many different things and i would have in my head not that i think about glenn powell a lot i would just gone oh yeah you play that kind of role mm. if i want you to be like the sort of cocky one in top gun maverick you're great at that and mm. he is good in that yeah, but yeah. i'm like oh you can do so many things and you're great about mm. you're, you're just great in it um i was thinking about oh because it's a really successful romantic comedy and it's a good one i'm what i'm like is this is this new is or is it just what's been missing in the genre for a really long mm. time and i think it's that i think it's fresh mm. i don't think i think other films have done this before but for some reason this this works i'm on the edge of my seat whilst like having a romantic thing mm. and a fun thriller thing and i i you know it was interesting as i was thinking what is this film like and I think if you put the genres on paper, you would come up with films like The Hitman's Bodyguard right. and like Bullet Train. Because mm. on paper, they're the same genre, but the execution is completely different. Mm, of so I don't know what to compare this with because a computer would go, these are similar films yes, you like, yeah. but no, they're not. Well, they're doing what, very different things. That's why I was interested because it's not the kind of film Linklater has made before. No. He's dabbled with a bit of genre here and there. You but can like, see it's the really elements dark. of his dialogue style in there. Mm. And I think that's what some of the better parts of it. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's something that I think is missing from modern rom-com. It's, it's fresh. And oh, I think, I hope people look at this and go, yeah, that's how you write sometimes a cheesy rom-com, but well. Yes. And make it feel relevant and cool and not cringy. Mm. It's ridiculous, but I never felt, even some of the dialogue between 
some people are like, this is so ridiculous, but I'm having so much fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you the whole way. Um, I think if you do go and see it, uh, go and see it with in a cinema with a crowd of people laughing along with you. Mm. And don't Google too much about it because it's a lot to, there's just so mm. much fun to be had. And when the festival audience finished, people clapped and everyone was laughing at like the gags towards the end. Yeah. And everyone standing up was just like, oh, it's so much fun with that. That yeah. was so much fun. Oh, that was so fun. Fun, 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 fun. It reminds me of when I saw uh, Glass Onion last year yes. in a packed yeah. cinema. Again, just like silly, but well 100%. executed. Talia saw Glass Onion on her phone in a transfer when we were flying back from South Africa. And I was like, she was like, it was all right. And I'm like, you watched it in the worst environment. Yeah, how disrespectful. You watched it in the worst, like on your phone, like stopping, got to go through passports. Oh I was just, no, you're not I allowed. I was glaring at her the entire time. She's not allowed on the show That's again. what I said. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, you're not allowed to give an opinion. Um, but just, just again, my, my experience is unique because I knew nothing about it going in and I just got everything, everything about it surprised me and I enjoyed so much of what it showed me. So I hope people watch it and sort of try not to get too much shown to you, but it's really, really good fun. I've just had a little check online and Netflix bought, has bought the film right. based on really good reception at Venice Fine. and Toronto and yeah. I guess obviously London as well. So I guess it'll be coming to Netflix soon, but hopefully mm. you'll get a cinema. Usually these big films, they get a good enough reception and really they'll have a cinema think, release as well. Oh, being in a crowd and watching it and, and laugh. Again, like immediately funny and yeah. just like, oh my God, everyone realizing it's great. I, I'm excited. I, lo- I like to see, a ta- I like to see, you know, a, an established talent trying something new. Whether mm. that, and that, and in this case, is Glenn Powell and Richard Linklater. Yeah. Who else is in the cast, by the way? Oh, you've got. So we've got Adria Arjona, who plays Maddie, if you've seen the film, uh, Austin Amelio, right. uh, Molly Kate Bernard, uh, Retta, who is in Parks and Rec. She's Genuine's brother in Parks and Rec. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So really, really. He, mostly unknowns. Basically, okay. Glenn Powell's the only person in there who you'll know. Interesting. Uh, and I didn't even feel that watching it. Brilliant. Um, okay. You know, you know when, um, you know how The Hangover was a comedy, but Todd Phillips shot The Hangover like it was a crime noir grungy film. Yeah. And it had this very distinct quality to it for a comedy. And it was R-rated. Yeah. It's almost like that merging of different cinema, cinematography styles yeah. to a, what would be like a sleazy, I don't know, drunken comedy. Yeah, yeah. I almost wonder if there's a similar effect going on here, but I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm excited to see it. Well, let, let's yeah. what, we're on tenterhooks. We know it's coming to Netflix soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine it'll be in the next few months. That was Hitman. We'll keep an eye on it. If anyone else has Go seen see it, it yeah. uh, has had early access but... as well, <laughs> yeah. uh, let us know in, an on, in a spoiler-free way what you thought about mm-hmm. it. Again, to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. So very similar to Pablo Lorraine's Spencer from 2021 and Jackie mm-hmm. from 2016, Priscilla is a woman's name as the title of a very revealing and dramatic biopic with gorgeous cinematography and understating leading performance. <laughs> Obviously not directed by Pablo Lorraine. Uh, Sophia, Sophia Coppola uh, is giving us Priscilla based on the novel Elvis and Me. Uh, I think Sophia Coppola has uh, directed and r- done the screenplay for this. Question. Yeah. Um, when you say like, just before we get into just so I understand mm. this film, when you say like Jackie and Spencer, is it uh, a sort of like hyper surreal kind of strange... Surreal, fairy, interesting. Fairy, is it a fairy tale kind of retelling? Potentially, fable? yeah. Okay. Of the perspective of... Potentially, revealing... you've seen it. You <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's like an interesting question based on how it's presented. <laughs> yeah. is, it, is, it, is it like... Maybe. Is it presenting itself as fact or is it slightly more heightened to be a little bit more dream- it's dreamlike? It's incredibly... Per- yeah, dreamlike's a good way to describe okay. it. Personal, personal perspective. And based on a... Autobiography or a biography? Book Elvis and Me, written by Priscilla. Got it. I'm in. Um, And yeah, once again, 
I hadn't, I had, I mean, there was a trailer, but I didn't watch it because I had such a good time watching Hitman. I was yeah. like, I know I'm going to see Priscilla. I've not seen the trailer mm. and that's okay. I'd quite like to just go in not knowing anything. Um, and Sophia Coppola, you admit, I've not seen a lot of her films. I should really catch up, but it has an affinity certainly for capturing a sense of isolation, mm. loneliness, Absolutely. and the story of Priscilla Presley is no stranger to those themes. Um, as a lot of people would have known, she was in a relationship with Elvis Presley from 1959 through into the 1970s. And the film opens in West Germany in 1959, where also Elvis was stationed uh, during his time at the US Army. And Priscilla's My father... My yeah, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Priscilla's father was also an officer stationed there. And the film follows their relationship into Priscilla ultimately leaving her family to move to Graceland where she stays and mostly waits for Elvis to return from tours, mm. movie shoots, TV appearances. Um, it sort of documents their relationship, how early the introduction of pills and drugs were into Elvis's life. You know, he just mm. says like, you know, it's from the doctor to start my head going crazy. Mm. Um, I didn't realize, I think I, I knew something, but I didn't realize Priscilla was 14 mm. when she was introduced to Elvis. And out of the gate, as I said earlier, it was very clear it's a story from her perspective, right? From her experience. And so on one hand, I can see... That relationship in the time period makes makes sense, and you take into no, no. I'm saying like how it happened, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, not yeah. saying it's okay. I, yeah, like, okay. I can understand where that happens, especially taking into account the celebrity icon status of Elvis at the time, right. and the dynamic of Elvis being much old older. But that setup of how they met is deeply uncomfortable to watch, and I think it's a couple of very clearly telegraphing the stages of mm. grooming, and you're presented with the beginnings of a relationship that mm. feels very uneasy to see play out even though the characters on screen aren't finding it, finding it uneasy mm. watching it you're like it just looks like all the stages mm. of grooming you would have heard about when that kind of thing happens like a you know that they're in they're in west germany and there's a big sort of expat american community and they've built like a 1950s style diner where mm. a lot of them go and they have parties at each other's houses because they're a small community mm. and so an officer like spots priscilla at the diner and he says oh well, would you like to come meet elvis presley she's like oh i can't i got school and he's like my daddy won't let me so like, let me talk to your daddy i'll mm. i'll make sure that's that's all fine you're like bringing someone someone young mm. to a to a, to a celebrity um and then yeah so there's that that presentation of the relationship and a sense of someone who has suffered in their youth and who later on in life has come to understand the very complex exchanges of intimacy mm. or lack thereof mm. that they experienced as a child or as a young woman and it really is about intimacy and what that relationship was like and where it fell short and why it developed the way they did and it was interesting because you know we watched Baz Luhrmann's Elvis last year and that was Elvis's story, and it was this big, dazzling collage of his of mm. his life, a celebration, and there's the dancing and the music. Um, and in this, it's Priscilla's story. Elvis, it, Jacob Elordi's Elvis, is a supporting character in this. He is he is to Priscilla in this, not mm. Elvis to to, to Priscilla. Mm. And yeah, I think Jacob Elordi's Elvis is really is really great, and I think it's it's wonderfully contrasted to Priscilla, like like physically, he, he towers over her, and he's mm. tall and. He's, he's, he has this sort of iconic silhouette mm. that even at the time was was really famous. Like he's shot in silhouette, his face is often darkened, and 
you know, because it's from her perspective, we don't see the highlights of Elvis's career. Yeah. We don't see him dancing on stage. There's no singing. Yeah. It's between the tours. It's between yeah, the movie that's shoots. Interesting, yeah. it's, it's at Graceland waiting for him and playing baseball with his friends in the garden and the ups and the downs. And what we do get and what we're shown are the moments between the two of them in bed, the gardens in Graceland, Priscilla waiting for him to come back at parties because Priscilla wasn't there and she doesn't know. And Elvis keeps saying this thing, you got to keep the home fires burning. I'll be back, you got to keep the home fires burning. Uh, like the Colonel, for example, which we were wondering how present he'd be in this. He's just a voice on the phone. Mm. He, he, he's a presence that draws Elvis away, mm. draws him in different directions. Well, I've got the Colonel on the phone. I should probably, I should probably mm. take that. Um, and what I think this film does really well, it focuses on stillness and emptiness and, and details and the flick of mascara and mm. the tying of the tying of bows on clothing like it's a like it's an armor or a fake costume that you have to wear. Um, and what was great is because the, the movie advances forward in time, but the, a lot of the environment stays the same. And you can see the environment change as Elvis's career mm. did. And you can see it starts sort of very normal and twee. And as Elvis's pop persona and his outfits get more and more ridiculous, so does his environment mm. and what sort of Priscilla has to maintain. Um, and there's this sort of big, one of the sort of big reveals, which isn't sort of a plot spoiler, it's part of the entire film, is how Elvis basically didn't want to touch her, he didn't want to sleep with her, he didn't want to taint his impression of Priscilla. Mm. And there's a denied intimacy in their relationship, oh, which wow. is really, really interesting. And for, for years, he just didn't sleep with her. So although you look at this thing and think, look at this story and think, oh, surely that would have been happening from really early on, and they were obviously intimate and kissing, but he basically just wouldn't have sex with her. Mm. And it's a really interesting study from... Well, from like a religious point of view or like no. just this sort of belief in like absolute beauty and this sort of piousness? Yeah, it's like he wanted to save this pure part of, of mm. his other, the other side of his life. Um, and she's, in, she's left her family home, moved mm. to his entire world where he gives her everything. She's completely given herself over to him and she's denied a sense of intimacy that would make her life now feel complete. Um... And, you know, all the while that's happening, while Elvis is away, there are news stories, pictures and magazines of Elvis mm. kissing women or apparently having flirtatious, you know, things with Nancy Sinatra mm. and other women on film sets. And just you could just imagine all of those things. And she's getting them in. And when she challenges him, he's mm. just erratic. And, and it shows Elvis also being a trap of his own fame. And it's... Like he talks when he was uh, when he was young. He's like, I, I want to be in movies like, like Marlon Brando or, mm. or James Dean. I want to really find something that makes me feel like uh, I've created something. Mm. And he, he showed that he really had a disdain for the music that he was sent in, and he was angry at Priscilla because like nothing's ever sent me anything good. I want to make I want to make something that I can be remembered for. Mm. That's my very bad. That's my very bad. That is. But um, and so yeah, I think it's it's. I love how still it is. It's. The, the creation of that very iconic silhouette of Elvis, but I think it shows that the creating of that was the disintegration of himself. And, and he was this shy singer yeah. who wanted more, who was caught up in this crazy fame frenzy and sort of battling to contain him and mm. fall in love with him is Priscilla. And then this new, newcomer who I've not seen in anything, but I think was in um, Good Times at the El Royale. Oh, right. So Bad Times at the El Royale. Bad Times at the El Royale, sorry. <laughs> Bad Times at the El Royale is a different movie. Uh, Callie Spini, who plays Priscilla, is fantastic. Mm. She could very well be nominated for her performance. She wow. starts the film uh, playing a 14-year-old. I think she's 25. And I was wondering, are they going to recast halfway through? But she plays Priscilla all the way through, I think, into her 30s. And you're like, wow. 
just so well aged over that whole period. Really good at playing 14, 15, 16. I was, I was just really, really good. Elordi's Elvis is really softly spoken, but very shy. And it's an Elvis that I think is confused and erratic and also a creep. Mm. It's not a celebration of that man. Mm. It's like this is a lost man trapped in a cycle damaged. he never really started and just very damaged again i talked about sort of the use of the use of drugs yeah. um, uh renominated for makeup hair yeah. costume design the dresses are immaculate incredible attention to detail and just like yeah like this priscilla being this glamour icon with the 60s hair mm. that's really strong there and these americana dresses and it's it's you can see she's trapped at home and it's a culture she thinks she has to mimic but it's like she never really feels a part of it. Mm. It's like what she thinks she should dress. And Elvis tells her, oh, you should, you should wear blue, honey. That's your color. Don't wear brown. I don't like it. Mm. And he really sort of gets upset. And so she's barely hearing from him, but knows she has to wear blue. Mm. Um, it's a film that really took its time. And I'm glad it took its time. I think it's very thought-provoking and a bit haunting. That sounds, I mean, great. Honestly, it sounds really great. So you walk out the cinema and it's, sort of, it's a very sort of it's slow and it takes its time. And yeah. you're like, God, that's really... That's what In, I liked it's a really about interesting perspective, and I'm glad it's come a year after Elvis. Not to take away from Baz Luhrmann's no, no. Elvis, but it's a whole other story from a whole other perspective. Uh, uh, that sounds great. I mean, that's what I liked about things like Jackie and 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 Spencer. Less so blonde. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but but I think that really I like that taking something we're very familiar with and showing you a different side to it mm. um, uh, by telling it through her eyes. Um, that's coming out in November. November? Okay, six. so that's coming out quite soon for yeah. people uh, who are listening. There's and a trailer out for it as well. Yeah, I, I I think that sounds really interesting. It's hearing you talk about the three films today mm. has been you know you've you've kind of. I can tell you're excited for different reasons about each one. Yeah, and but can I'm I really just, like I'm subdued yeah. when I'm talking about but what's exciting ask, about this? Uh, if you had to pick your favorite of the three that you've reviewed on this week's show, Hitman. Hitman. Yeah. I had the most fun with Hitman. I don't really have a minus point for Hitman. That's really cool. that's really funny. So I think there's a, there's a thing I want to talk about with this, but I there's like an omission that this film has, which must be a distinct choice from Sofia Coppola, which I'd rather talk to you about when you've seen it. Okay. Because I just think you should experience it for yourself. But there's something that's missing from the film that I think you focus so much on intimacy and you've missed out this exchange. And you've, mm. a bit, there was a big jump in the story for me mm. and coming out. I'm like, why was that an omission? So mm. again, I, I don't want to okay. go too long with that because I think people we'll listening should also chat. See, we can do a spoiler chat when you've seen it. But yeah, you, you know, you come out with some films feeling related and, and it, sorry, you, you love it because you're related and it's fun. And other films you go, God, that's good because it's really made me think. Mm. I think Priscilla should uh, should do quite well with people. Okay, guys, that's out in November. And if anyone has also seen it ahead of that release date, like James has, and wants to share their thoughts, please email in, as you know, to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. But I think that sounds great. I'm looking forward to all the films you, you think you'll like today. It. I think sound great. You'll like everything I've talked about, and I think you'll I think you'll like yeah, you'll like everything I've talked about. <laughs> oh, George will <laughs> yeah. like is so moody and haunted. <laughs> no, I think oh, you'll like it as well. Is yeah. the music good? Yes, the, the score yes, good. good score. The, the, just the design of it. Im impeccable there's okay. loads of wonderful shots of like toes walking on squidgy carpets and mm. mascara and i want to say it was all shot on the same lens but i'm probably wrong but it all looked at yeah. one perspective of one eye she does do films about isolation a lot yeah a couple. i think that's really that's quite sharp i haven't thought about that and sort of environments being suicides, prisons lost in translation like the hotel the rocks, like, you yeah. know what i mean the environment being oppressive, oppressive yeah what you would consider an otherwise beautiful location mm. Like Graceland is stunning, mm. but you're like it's it's a trap and it's it's a representation of this awful fame which traps them mm. both and it's it's loads loads of things to take away from it. Great, go, Ooh. I'm sold. 
Um, just picking up on a thought, re Priscilla. Is it going into it? I was wondering how would Jacob Elordi's Elvis be compared to Austin Butler's Elvis? And as soon as it started, I realized they're trying to achieve completely different things. Yeah. And both of them have merits, but they're going for very different things. And both performances are yeah. very much separate. And it's not even worth going, who did better yeah. than this? Austin, Bust- Austin Buster? Butler. Um, definitely incredible. Oh, hey there, Mama. Um, I think Jacob Elordi's really good at it. Yeah. But he's, he's also like sinister in a similar way that uh, his Euphoria character was. Uh, Not yeah. in the same way, but like you see that strand mm. cutting through there and you're like... Mm. Mm. He used Nasty. to play like a lovable like, Sweetheart. best friend. He needs Literally. to do like a Nicholas Sparks book adaption. <laughs> Adam, shall we read some emails? Let's do it. This week, we have an email from Felix who writes in about Werner Herzog who says, Hi guys. Hope you're both doing. Hope you're both doing well. I would say going. Mm. Hope, hope, are you, yeah. Hope you do. I'm, I am tired because I read that completely wrong. Hi guys. Hope you're both doing well. I just got back from a family reunion in the Netherlands, where with a few hours to kill before flying back to our respective homes, my sisters and I decided to visit the I Film Museum in Amsterdam. Hmm. Oh. Besides being hosted in a beautiful modern building in a spectacular location on the waterfront, the museum also doubles as a cinema as well as a film film archive and has a fascinating permanent exhibition about the technical history and development of cinema. Oh my God, we must go. We should go. I highly recommend it should you ever find yourself in that part of the world. The reason I'm writing to you, however, is that they also had an exhibition devoted to Werner Herzog, which turned out to be a bit of an eye-opener for me. After seeing excerpts of several of 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 his films and behind the scenes footage, as well as learning about his view of the world. Uh, James, is that you Googling Werner Herzog? No, I'm I'm Googling where he's from. uh, He's uh, he's German. Yeah, yeah. as well as uh, world and fascination with the battle between humans and nature. (laughs) (laughs) I came to the conclusion that his films have been a massive blind spot for me. I've always had a great general awareness of him as a reputable filmmaker, but for some reason never watched any of his films and naively assumed they were from a bygone era. Wanting to better myself, and, and with the summer having ended rather abruptly, I decided to work my, my way through the Herzog filmography. Do you have any recommendations on where to start? I also don't remember you discussing him on the podcast, or at least not in any depth, so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on his films. Keep up the great work. I thoroughly enjoy each and every one of your episodes, and I've been recommending it to all my friends who have yes. even the slightest interest in films. Yes, yes very good. Us. Join us. Yes. Congratulations with your upcoming two-year anniversary, and greetings from Brighton. News on that later. Yes, best Felix James Werner Herzog. I said in my um, in our blind spots episode that he was a director who's in my uh, blind spot. Mm. But I hear Grizzly Man is great. Yeah, Grizzly Man. Yeah, I, so I've, really I've only seen because he's a, he's an accomplished documentary filmmaker yeah. as well as a feature film documentary, mm-hmm. and I've seen. One of his documentaries, which is Grizzly Man, yes, I remember this. which was very good, very good. And um, I've also seen Rescue Dawn, which is the Vietnam War film with oh. Christian Bale in it. It's the prisoner of Vietnam prisoner of war film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, is, which, is quite, which is quite good as well. Yeah. But I've not seen Fitzcarraldo, uh, you know, and that's the one like he made in the, the jungle in the 70s and they like, just pulled nice. a ship over a hill. And, like, oh, cool. Kind of lots of famous stories came out of that. All this stuff with like Klaus Kinski. Like, I've not seen that stuff. Is he, how present is he in his documentaries? Well, is in, he there? Yes, he's in, so in Grizzly yeah. Man, he is like a, and he's also such a fantastic presence. You know, do you, he's in The Mandalorian, the first I want season. You to show me the baby. Yeah, he's, no, it, it's, um, Timothy Treadville. <laughs> I love the bears. And in The Mandalorian, he's like, uh, show me as a child. You know, it's kind of whispery. Yeah. But also You're on your way to your Richard E. Grant. <laughs> You're not far. I haven't, like, you I haven't done Bird in a while. If I think about Grizzly Man, it's like, yeah, the Timothy Treadwell loved the bears. Mm. 
but the bears showed great intelligence. It's just fantastic. He's, Your he's presence hypnotic. to the documentary. Yeah. Timothy Treadwell. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> <Yes>. documentary. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the only two, but I, I would like to see more yeah, of his documentaries too. and more of his other stuff. That is Werner Herzog. This next one is from Campbell, who says, Hello, boyos. boyos. I, I, I drift into Australia next, so we'll be like, Oh, it's from hey, Dan Oz. But no, it's Cam here from Ooh. Baddie in South Wales. Yeah. I, I'll allow it. I don't know if that's accurate. Is Barry in South Wales? Is that what Cameron says? Yeah. Cam- Barry in South Wales. <laughs> of course it is. Like uh, Cam- Cameron Cam- Stacey. I've been listening to the podcast since about episode 40. Nice. And I'm currently on my second run through the Pulp Kitchen archives. It's, it's like it's like rewatching a favorite sitcom. That's that's medal worthy. That's, that's you get a pin and you get a badge pin for that. Love that. Because, as we say in Barry, I bloody loves it. <laughs> I'm working my way back through your God's Creatures episode, and it's been on my list since the first viewing of the pod. Listening to James's review of again, uh, review again, I decided to finally get round to watching it and could say I totally agree with your opinions on it. Shout out to Bevan, the Irish correspondent. Mm. The pacing, the subtlety, and the performances were excellent. I also acted off another recommendation of yours that I've been meaning to get ra- round to, which was what Richard did from 2012. Two films that were released 10 years apart but share quite a lot of thematic similarities, e.g. The Guilt of the Parent. They worked, ex- uh, they worked excellently as a double bill and really complemented each other. I watched what Richard did in first and thought that worked best. Also, both around the 90-minute mark. Mm, Beautiful. That's right. as, a final po- as a final point, I thought I'd just single out my two favourite scenes from both movies. Mm. Number one, Lars Mikkelsen as Richard's dad, Peter, sitting awkwardly on a bench press with Richard trying to understand oh. what happened that, that night was so powerful yeah. and authentic. I completely lost myself yeah. in the performance and I forgot I was watching a film at all. Yes, they're sort of like holding each other. Yeah. and like, I have a feeling they... Oh, I feel like someone told me that when they did that scene... Like they just they just like let them go, let them go, and said when you're ready, and like and it took took like hours, but oh, yeah, brilliant, yeah. very iconic, yeah, very good. Uh, number two, Emily Watson is Eileen Bryan's mother, looking up at the sky in the boat at the end. Oh she yeah, she has the realization about her son and decides what she decides mm. or does she? Or does d- yes, that's what he, that's what. Uh, yes, Campbell says, yes. or does she? Uh, thank you for all the work you do to create an engaging, light-hearted, and informative podcast, and for a fun afternoon doing my Irish double bill. Highly recommend. I don't have a question, but instead a suggestion for a quick game. Can you name seven Welsh actors in 30 seconds? George, three, two, one, go. Matthew Rhys, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. Richard Burton. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen, uh, Rob Brydon. Rob, oh yes, yeah. Um, Welsh. Ooh, Welsh. Wales. It's Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eva, the girl, the woman from Eve, Eve Green, the one from Tor- Torchwood. Oh, who's the, from one, Torchwood. who's the one from Gavin and Stacey? <laughs> What's she called? She's not Ru- actually. Oh, is she not? No, Ru- they, 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 they oh, are from, no, no, from. No, the blonde one. She's Welsh. No, she's not. She's not, she's really. not Welsh. No, she's not. Oh, no. she's doing a great accent. Yeah, I uh, think he paid. Yeah, no, she's not. I mean, that's gone 30 seconds already. Yeah. But we got maybe five. And there. then he says, P.S. Christian Bell isn't Welsh. Yeah, I know. I know. But, but, but he's, he's. I count him as British, though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, British, yeah. Life a double. Even though Alfred, I don't know if I could even be the Batman anymore. Get the hell off my set. <laughs> uh, okay. And then he says, Pob Luick, which I probably not pronounced correctly, Campbell. Bless you. Must be like love from. Yes, love from. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Campbell, for that great email. This next one is from Benjamin. Uh, and it says, Hi, guys, loving the podcast. My older brother recommended it to me before I had to complete a long drive down to Cornwall this summer. And since then, I've been hooked. Nice. That is a. You know, we're locked. You're locked in with us mm. now. That's a good drive. In the car. And also, you have to take quite a gamble for someone for, mm. that, for you to decide. I, if I was doing a big long drive, I'd be like, "This is my content. Mm. I've decided it. Mm. I'm not taking a chance." 
Well, thank you for taking a chance on us. In the recent bonus episode about Dunkirk, George mm. said something about the, along the lines of The Prestige is my favourite Nolan film, but objectively I'd say that Dunkirk is Nolan's best film. Yes, mm-hmm. I did say something like that. I like to think I like to keep a list of my top 10 favourite films and a list of my top 10 best films. Mm. For example, There Will Be Blood features in my list of best films, but not in my favourites. Alternatively, the lesser known The Parole Officer with Steve Coogan. Wow, I haven't thought about that film in a long time. Uh, Features in my list of favourite films, but not in my list of best films. Mm. The lists aren't exclusively separate. For example, Good Will Hunting is in both. Questions Mm -hmm. for you both. What are some of your favourite films that you appreciate but don't classify as best films? I mean, The Mummy from 1999. Yeah, It's like not a film you'd put in a conversation of greatest films of all time but like, yeah. I love it and it, it's part of my childhood yeah A Knight's Tale with um, yeah. Heath Ledger yes. that's great yeah um, oh Hook Spielberg's Hook right. right really love Spielberg's Hook yeah uh, Dustin Hoffman Robin Williams um, that's probably quite a good few I, mean, I was going to say Aliens but I feel like Aliens is, is no, good enough that's to, considered good yeah like artistic enough to. 8 Mile hmm. have you seen 8 Mile uh no, no. You had to think about it. Well, though. I was actually thinking about my other stuff, but oh, sorry, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think what what's ones like. Oh, oh I love. Bit, like oh, you, you're not. Consider- Let me get my letterboxed up, which you can follow me. Coach at. Carter, love Coach right. Carter. Um, the Hobbit. I said the Hobbit before. Diana's flat. They're bad. I'd say they're bad. Uh, the Hobbit. Yeah, no. Uh, National Treasure. Looper. I'd say for me. But that's not. I would say favorite that- films that aren't great. No, it's not that oh, they're not classed as the best films. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, sure. I say yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like, no, that's a good film. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, yeah, sure, it's sure. not, no one's, no one's putting that up yeah, for yeah. an Oscar. No, no, I agree, I agree. Uh, Interstellar, we talked about, it has problems, but we love it yeah. anyway. Yeah. Oh, Hot Rod with um, right. Andy Samba, The Lonely Island. Yeah. Starsky and, Danny and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch from 2003. Yeah. That's due a rewatch, actually. That really is. I, I hope it's still funny. You know I think that's 2004. And if it is 2004, James, you and I should do a 20th anniversary rewatch. Yeah, oh, I'd love that. 2004, yeah. Hour Next 21. year. Next In the year. diary. Yeah. In the diary. Do it. Do it. Make it coke. Do it. Um, pop, hey, pop the trunk. Do it. Do it. Benji, thanks so much for your email. <laughs> no, it's a yacht. It's a yacht. This next one is from Sion, who says, Hello, James and George. I watched Past Lives in the cinema about mm. two weeks ago, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since. I think it would be a good double bill with Before Sunset in terms of there being a history and connection between the two leads, and the question of what if, or with In the Mood for Love in terms of what the characters are to each other and where they end up. Mm. But I love how universal the story is. It didn't necessarily have to be in a romantic level, and it could have been someone that you were just really close friends with as a child, but you could still relate. The way in which people from your past know you is always going to be different to the way in which people who you are currently in your life know you mm. there's something bittersweet about that which i love the fact that people in relationships are always evolving and changing and we just have to accept that that's a really true point about the the sense of connection not necessarily being tied to old mm. romantic friend or mm. relationship it can be just about it is about something that's lost from where you were in life yeah. versus where you are now mm. I would say that when we, we put out a clip of our Nostal- review... Sorry, like nostalgia yeah. is like a whole concept. We put out a clip of our review from Past Lives and it, it, it shows people's love for that film because yeah. people have been resharing that that you know 10-second clip of us talking yeah. about it and, and to express their own love for that film. Yeah. It's been really nice to see. And I was glad to see that, like, cause we do, if you found us on TikTok, you'll know we do clips of get the games at the end of the show, any, like, fun takes, mm. and then we put our movie reviews out. And the movie reviews, nine times out of ten, do way less views than the games, but we're always happy to put them out because we mm. get good feedback on them. 
And few some of, of our, thank you, that's one to you. <laughs> and some of our movie reviews that have done well over the time have been negative reviews on Star Wars and Marvel and yeah. Avatar projects. So I'm slightly heartened to see that a positive review on a smaller film yes. has resonated in the social media algorithm for like the first time, which I yeah. think is nice. Um, it got me thinking about female directed lead, uh, films. Uh, there is just something so unique about them. I can always tell if a film is directed by a woman if I haven't already looked it up. Mm. What are some of your favorite female directed films or female filmmakers that you are most interested in? I love the works of Eliza Hitman from mm. Never Really Sometimes Always and mm. Beach Rats, Greta Gerwig, Barbie and Lady Bird, Ava DuVernay, When They See Us, mm. Selma, Celine Sciamma, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Petit mm. Maman. I also enjoyed watching, you provided a big list here. Uh, I'll, li I'll list some of them. You Were Never Really Here, Booksmart, Baby mm. Teeth, Edge of Seventeen, Dogfight, Watermelon Woman, Fish Tank, mm. Little Miss Sunshine. Hopefully this email isn't too long. The podcast is always great and I cannot wait for you to reach your 100th episode. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for yes. news on that thing. From Scion, London. Uh, thanks, Scion. Yeah, great. You mentioned some great ones there. Yeah, really good ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, sorry, just Sion mentioned Never Really, Sometimes Always, a film I've mentioned a few mm. times. I talked about it last year when we did our great one scenes in movies. Yes, yeah. Worth checking out that film. Really what good. has Andrea Arnold been up to? Because I feel like Fish oh Tank my God, keeps yeah. coming up. She was well, she did Fish Tank, then she did Wuthering Heights, and then she did American Honey. American Honey. That was it. And then she directed the second season of Big Little Lies, which wasn't a great experience for her. And then, oh, okay. then I think she went and made a documentary about cows. Um, oh, cow 2021, yeah. I can see. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what she's up to next, but I've met Andrea Arnold. She's very nice. She offered me a cupcake. Oh, where was that? Uh, we, so I went to the University of Sussex and she is from Sussex, I believe. And she is very good friends with the university and, oh, nice. and supports the film department. And she came in, we studied Wuthering Heights from an adaptation oh, point of view. Cool. And she came in and talked to us about that. But then she also invited our seminar group to uh, early cut screening of American Honey. Now, mm. if anyone's seen American Honey, it's a long film. Mm. It's like two and a half hours. We saw like a three and a half hour cut. But at the end, they they hand out... I mean, there's bits of American Honey that didn't make the cut that I really liked. Oh, uh, really? Uh, that I go, oh, I'm glad I saw that. Um, and at the end, they hand us around like screening questionnaires and stuff. And she offered us cupcakes with it. And I was like, uh, what do you think we have to do to be invited for services to podcasting? services to podcast what do you mean yeah. to come and talk at sussex as an uh, alumni <laughs> um probably uh, win a nobel prize like break, <laughs> yeah. break a massive story perhaps yeah. Not, yeah. not just like do have a Did good tiktok you, know? <laughs> yeah. you need to name me seven films <laughs> okay um this next email is from Alex, who says, uh, Dear James and George, hope you're both doing well. I'm writing this week to let you guys know that I recently gave the podcast some free promo. Nice. Good. Yeah, do, yeah. doing God's work. Yeah. I'm currently writing my personal statement to get info in, to get into uni, mm -hmm. and our teacher was giving us advice about what to write. She said, we should mention any podcast we listen to that relate to the course we want to apply for. And I instantly thought of Pulp Kitchen. Yes. I'm applying for an English degree and mentioned your podcast being one of the ways I pursue my love of film outside of school. Now all the big bosses of the unis I've applied to will know the name Pulp Kitchen. Yeah. So if you get a surge of new listeners in the next few months, you're most welcome. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. Congrats on almost reaching 100 episodes from a hopefully soon-to-be English student, Alex. And news on the 100 episode is coming at the soon. end of the episode. Alex, I can just say, uh, I love that email. Love um, that. Best of luck. Best of luck. But I also, I, I applied for uni as someone who loved film, but applied for English because film is not a taught subject in many places. Yeah. And when I go into uni, you know what you can do, Alex? You can just speak to the admissions office and be like, okay. can, I, can I do either a joint honours or can I just switch courses? Yeah. And they're like, literally, when I was there, they're like, yeah, no problem. Did you, <laughs> didn't, didn't you see grades? Did you see anything? Yeah. So like, 
you can do a bit more film at the uni if you're like that's what's great about uni you have all these options to do it just just i see i see your pathway yeah get in and then yeah like like say so you can ride a horse and move. then learn to ride yeah, the horse yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um i always think that the whole process of writing a personal statement was so humiliating oh, yeah. oh god i remember reading other people's at my school and some people were like going for oxbridge and they have the shittest first personal statements i'd ever read it's yeah. like when i was younger I used to deconstruct bricks to see what the parts were made of. Oh, God, yeah. And that's what I do with my studies. I want to evolve and deconstruct <laughs> you know what they things sound like? that's cool. They sound like car adverts. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. we have to move forward to, to move accelerate back. to the future. Yeah. Sometimes Change. what's been lying in front of us the whole time is the most obvious answer. The sky. Hi. But also... James briefly. Applying... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> For the University of Swansea. Yeah. <laughs> and then similarly, like, there's that, like, trying to get into uni and then, like, you leave uni in your first jobs where you have no experience, but you have to just, like, be enthusiastic and some internship you did for, like, mm. three days. Yeah. You flesh that bad boy out. Oh, yeah. What I did... I led on the, at, on the caffeine production sector, you know, yeah. uh, across... Pioneered all, it. Yeah, pioneered yeah. it. Um, coordinated Distribution, it. supply. Yeah, execution, distribution, <laughs> yeah, execution. and consumption. All the way through to delivery. B2B, B2C. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Right. right. Uh, this last one is from Lewis, who says, Hello, James and George. Long time listener, and finally a wielder of enough courage to email in. Oh. I love your podcast, and it has spurred my best mate and me to go on to buy a membership at our local cinema, and now we attend at least once a week. That's fantastic. I love that. That's what it's all about. So, we, you know, if, if you could look at it, we've saved cinema. Yes. Because we've got exactly people to go back to the cinema then. So we can take all the credit. That is a direct Link. financial call to action yeah. result. It goes us. Indulge us, please, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> we are saving. <laughs> it goes us, Barbenheimer, and then maybe, I don't know, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Who That's is saving it. cinema. We're the only people at the table. Yeah. This weekend, we had the delight of going to watch The Creator at the BFI IMAX. Oh, I would have been around that. Day. And wow. What a visual delight that movie was. From the locations to the design of the AI and Nomad Ship, I thought everything just looked incredible. Whilst I didn't think it was the most gripping story and at times a bit predictable, I do think it is a film that has to be seen on the big screen. My friend and I thought it had many parallels to the first Avatar movie and seemed very anti-American, I agree. And whilst not... Whilst I'm not against that, the Americans in this movie seemed unbelievably evil beyond belief, and I felt myself internally becoming the viral Britney Spears defense video. Leave AI alone! <laughs> Nevertheless, I've recommended the movie to my friends and will do to others going forward. I'd like to go back. Uh, firstly, yeah, I completely agree with your thoughts on, um, on uh, the creator. Yeah, that, I de definitely see it on a big screen. It's, 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 wor it's worth yeah. it. And yeah, the whole... Uh, East versus West mm. thing, the, the merging of like nations into two different philosophies is quite a bold but interesting mm. choice. Very 1984, uh, Eurasia, you, yeah. Euro thingy, and but it actually Asia. simplifies a lot of geography yeah. crap to like a more to like sort of focus in on the story, yeah. which I sort of appreciate. I'd like to go. Lewis goes on to say, <laughs> "I'd like to go back in that tone of voice." Yeah, like James Acaster. Like I've never used. Yeah. Uh, I've only used one side um, of the cheese grater, <laughs> and we're still looking at it. Yeah. I'd like to go back. <laughs> you did it again. I'd like to go back to what is surprisingly a debate that is happening with listeners of this podcast about which is better, Monsters uh, Inc. or Monsters University. I saw, that's why I forgot to mention, 
the, someone on the plane on the seat in front of me Watching. watched Monsters University. Is, do you think that's because university is newer and therefore on the schedule and they don't have ink? No, no this person brought their own iPad to watch oh, it. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, Personal okay. choice. Yeah, yeah. That's an active de- decision. An active decision, yeah. Day before you looked on Disney Plus and you went, no, no, yes. Charge it up. Sorry, continue. This is this. I love this yes, debate. This, by the way, this we're gonna has have to watch come it. Come up the most. We're gonna have to do a double bill. Yeah, yeah, we'd would we would have to. I'm gonna get into the rest of the email, but come up the most. I'd say we've yeah. had like when people were sending in their under under um what was it underrated films. Well, do you know what it is? No, we used opinions. to have the debate used to be whether or not food should be in the show. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. then the debate became whether or not Hacksaw Ridge was a good film. Yeah, and now it's about Monsters Inc. You know, you just say things that you don't think people are gonna be like, what? And yeah. write in. Anyway, whilst I am firmly in the camp that Monsters Inc. is better in every way, I do like to test these theories. I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> I'm a primary school teacher and I, and I teach year six. So I tested out which was better in class. Brackets, I won't reveal my school as I definitely should have been teaching a proper lesson. <laughs> After watching both Pixar movies, the class almost unanimously voted Monsters, Inc. the winner. Yes. You can't argue with science. If you would like me to test any other children's movies arguments with my class, oh. please let me know. Hopefully I can be your teacher correspondent, emailing whilst, whilst marking books, Lewis. Interesting. That is specifically insane. children. Because no, year six. Year six. That, 10, 11. 11, yeah. 12. No, 10, no, no, 11. 10, 11. Yeah. So that's that. That's kind of in the middle camp, I'd say. Yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think I haven't, I haven't seen University, but Toy Story one and two. But that. But we're like. But it's that's not, not a debate because yeah, they're both great. Yeah. The debate yeah. is that this. It, uh, it looks like there's a discrepancy mm. between these two. We're gonna have to watch ourselves, James. We would and just report it. Watch the space. Give them like a good hour. Go over it. Mm. Anyway, I can't. I, I will th- we'll have a thing. Yeah, we'll have a thing. We'll have a thing. Great. I love. I love people who write in and they they name their profession, and then yes. we have like all these people in different. Because I start painting the picture of them. We've got the. Forgive me, I forgot your the emailer's name mm. who was like cutting open c- cows in Ireland. Yeah, and we've got teacher. Also, Lewis, they, they love you for letting for watching films oh, in class. You're when a you, legend. I don't think they do this anymore, but when they used to wheel out the TV on the trolley, I'm sure just the smart board plays it. But like when they'd wheel out, you were just like, yes, yeah. zip up that pencil case. We, uh, when I was in year nine, we, uh, when we did RE, we were watching Gandhi. Oh, yeah. And uh, our RE, RE teacher that was then ill for many weeks. Um, I think she was fine in the end. Mm. But um, but whenever we had someone come in to cover the lesson who would be some sort of bemused geography teacher had no idea about, you know, come in sort of go, okay, uh, where are we class? We would we would always, Gandhi's a long film, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'd always just say, oh, we got, we got, we're still watching Gandhi. Yeah, we got up to the salt marches. Yeah, and we did that for about two weeks. <laughs> so we just, we I've seen the second half of Gandhi so many times. My drama teacher when I was in year nine or year seven, I can't remember, it was like part like when the summer exams had mm. finished and like you didn't have a drama exam because yeah. like you just didn't. And so like while you were doing your exams or when you were finishing them, he was obsessed with Russell Crowe. Right. So he put on Gladiator, which we watched over two lessons, loving it. Great. And he, he was fine. He'd just occasionally pause it and be like, what he's doing here is just, and he wouldn't really say anything, but just exclaim about, you know, he put the sand in between his fingers. And then we watched A Good Year, with Ru- Russell Crowe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and there was another yeah. one. Which Anna I loves that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember what else, but yeah, I always just appreciated it. Russell Crowe's uh, 
Film choices recently have... Uh, <laughs> the Pope says this. I mean, look, me and my friends laugh about it all the time because I think Russell Crowe got the call and it was like, six months filming in Italy? Yeah, you yeah. betcha. And there's a food and catering budget. You bet. Part of it, yeah. I'll be there. Where's it? We call that film The Pope's Papadelli. Because <laughs> that's what went through Russell Crowe's mind when he, when he got the offer. You must have recently come up with that. Yeah, yeah, literally. Pope. The Pope's Papadelli. We just saw it. It's like, we know... We, look, if you've seen it's, Russell Crowe recently, oh, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know. Anyway. Right. Let's talk after this little break about plans for Pop Kitchen 100. So guys, here is the plan for episode 100 of Pulp Kitchen. James and I are going to host a big Pulp Kitchen film pub quiz. On Wednesday, the 1st of November, we're going to be hosting a pub quiz. If you've ever enjoyed the type of film games we play on the show, the type of film games we put out on social media, this is going to be an entire evening of all of that. We've got some really good ideas for what we want to do with it. So make sure you get your tickets before they sell out. All the information can be found in the link below, but basically bring your mates, have some drinks, test your film knowledge. It's going to be great fun. Doors should open about 6.30. Quiz will start about 7.30. Should last about two hours. And yeah, like we like said, limited number of spaces, so get your tickets. Plus, whereas the pub quiz is to celebrate 100 episodes of the show, our actual 100th episode is going to feature something a little bit different. James. Bevin writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, hey boys, just wanted to write in with a bit of an idea. This could be absolutely insane, but could also be a bit of a laugh. For the 100th episode, would it be possible to have a call-in episode? By this I mean, you ask a question of our sirens and we can send responses to the Instagram in voice note. I don't know if it would even work, but it would be cool to have the listeners involved in the momentous occasion. So guys, that's the idea. If you have a question you'd like to ask for our 100th episode, then send it in to our Instagram account at popkitchenpodcast.com. But the rule is they have to be short. Aim for them to be no more than 30 seconds because we want to include as many of you as possible and we can't hear life stories going on and on. So 30 seconds aim for that and you can be on the show as much as we love you guys we we want to keep it pithy yes so that's just some of the stuff we're going to be doing for our 100th episode in addition to the celebration of 100 episodes which is the pub quiz it's all happening people it's crazy and more announcements soon yes more announcements life post 100 where we're going what we're doing that's four weeks time people it's exciting countdown event is linked down below We're growing and we couldn't have done it without you guys. Oh yeah, it's great. We'll we'll talk more about it at episode 100. But anyway, how should we end this episode? Let's end with, okay. Okay, George, very exciting to hear about Pop Kitchen 100. But of course, it's it's episode 96. Normal service resumes. Mm -hmm. We can't get distracted. Absolutely not. Every episode of Pop Kitchen Mm -hmm. ends with a game. game. And 100 episodes of Pop Kitchen ends in a lot of games at our quiz. And link down below. We're going to do a miscellaneous game. This is a name seven in 30 game. George, are you ready? You're a little bit tired, but I have faith in you as always. I'm sure you're going to be great. Okay, here we go. Okay, George, in 30s, I'm on the calculator. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, so umbrellas are unnecessary, but but you can't even get your right app open. Clark. Right, George, in 30 seconds. Ready? Name seven films with a unit of time in the title, like second week, month, year. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Two weeks notice, uh, uh, 28 days later, 28 weeks later, um, uh, uh, 12 years a slave. Um, uh, uh, Week, day, month, month. 10 seconds. Month. uh, year five seconds uh a unit of time minute uh new york minute yeah time 
Oh, I only know New York Minute from you, the Austin Jones movie. We just talked about one a good year. Oh. Training day. Oh. Gone in 60 seconds. Oh, right. Yeah. Rush hour. Yeah. Weekend oh. at Bernie's, I would have Oh, had. weekend is a, is that's yeah. not a unit of time, is it? Well, I think it's, it's not a unit of time. Thing. You don't measure something in a weekend. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a type of day. Yeah, of a weekend. It was a weekend long. I guess you could say like a fortnight. Independence oh. day. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. day off. It's such a niche one and I'm so jet lagged. 40 year old virgin. <laughs> All right, George, are you ready for the next game? I guess. This is not a guess seven in 30. This is a little like I'm going to say a thing and you've got to tell me what it is. Ready? So, uh, George, MacGuffins. Yes. MacGuffins. Yes. They're everywhere in films. Yeah. Some of the great stories of all time have MacGuffins at the core. Mm -hmm. You have to tell me what film it is from the MacGuffin. Brilliant. So I'm going to read you a list of MacGuffins and Brilliant. you're going to tell me to what film we got. And George, MacGuffins, just in case someone doesn't know what a MacGuffin it, is. Uh, don't like, list any because I've probably no, got it's them like an It's a very arbitrary plot device. It's an, an, drives manifested intention. as an object that drives the plot on. Oh, we need to get the thing X object. To put to it in the thing, thing so yes. thing can happen. Okay. George, are you ready? I'm ready. You have to tell me what the film is based on its MacGuffin. Ready? The One Ring. Uh, Lord of the Rings. The Rabbit's Foot. Uh, Mission Impossible 3. Yes. The Rug. The Big Lebowski. Yes. Rosebud. Uh, 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 Citizen Kane. Yes. The Holy Grail. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. I've also accepted uh, Indiana Jones, Jones the, last the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Private Ryan. Same <laughs> Private Ryan. <laughs> the Ether. Uh, 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 Thor the Dark World. Yes. Uh, microwave Emitter. Microwave emitter. Uh, uh, is it like Back to the Future? No. Back. Oh, Batman Begins. Ah. That's why you got me. The Declaration of Independence. Uh, National Treasure. Yes. The Heart of the Ocean. Uh, Atlantis. Uh, the the the, the Atlant Titanic. Oh, the Infinity Stones. Uh, Infinity War. The Briefcase. Pulp Fiction. Yes. Last one. Doug. Doug. That is the Hangover. Yes. I'm counting that as a MacGuffin. Oh God. <laughs> You did well. You did very, very yeah, well. I did. That's good. Good MacGuffins. Quick fire. Good, good MacGuffins. Uh, really, uh, doing that, I realized the MacGuffin can be a person. It, yes. Private Ryan. Doug. Yeah. It, get, it, get it the works. Thing. Get the person to the thing. Yeah. yeah. Black Hawk. Yeah. Get the Black Hawks. Save the Black Hawks. They've been down. Ellie from The Last of Us. Yes. Get them to a place. Uh, yeah. To be on the yeah. line. It's more like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, George, my last game, I think it's probably the greatest, most ingenious, intuitive, unique game I've ever made. I'm sure it will go on to spawn many sequels and iterations. This game is called Shrek 1, Shrek 2, or Shrek 3. <laughs> I'm gonna read you characters from the first three Shrek films and you have to tell me quickfire whether or not they made their debut in Shrek, Shrek oh, 1, Shrek God. 2, oh, or Shrek God. 3. George, for the record, what? when was the last time you saw Shrek? Or any Shreks? You know what's really funny? No. My girlfriend watched it next to me on the plane yesterday. Oh, no! Yeah. And I, one. I, I, when I was Shrek 1, and when I was watching it, obviously I couldn't hear it, but I know, I've seen that from so many times, I could fill in all the dialogue. So Shrek 1, you're good. So yeah, Shrek 2, I've not seen for a while. I've probably only seen it twice. Okay. And Shrek 3, I only watched that once. Yeah. And I've not seen Shrek 4, which, and I think seen. you neither have as well. I didn't put it, that's why yeah. <laughs> I can't speak on that. Shrek the 3rd, yeah, fourth. that's the one with... The no, the 3rd is the 3rd. Yeah, Shrek, Shrek the third. Yeah. Happily ever after is the fourth. Yeah. Shrek the third is the third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we're arguing over the semantic <laughs> points of Shrek. But... Okay, so George, okay. welcome to the first ever round <laughs> of is it Shrek one, Shrek two, or Shrek three? Okay. George, can you tell me which of these characters appeared in Shrek one, Shrek two, <laughs> or Shrek three? The gingerbread man. Uh, Shrek one. Puss in boots. Shrek two. Yes. Princess Fiona. 
Shrek 1. Arthur Pendragon. Shrek 3. Yes. Cinderella. Shrek 3. Yes. Prince Charming. Shrek 2. Yes. Three Blind Mice. Shrek 1. Donkey. Shrek 1. Snow White. Technically, Shrek won in the dating. Uh, in the dating, I saw it. Yes, you're right. Right. You're I did right. in the dating you're profile. Right. Fairy Godmother. Shrek two. Yes, Magic Mirror. Shrek one. Yes, Queen Lillian. Shrek three. Shrek two. Ah! Oh, 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 is that it? Oh, is that guys, it? that was oh. that was Shrek one, Shrek you two, did, or Shrek three. You did not expect me to do as well as that, <laughs> no, did you? At all. You did. The fact that I had Shrek three for Snow White, and you came in and told me about a bit I remembered from yeah, Shrek one because I saw it last night. <laughs> That's the thing. Guys, thank you for playing Shrek 1. Thank you for playing, is it Shrek 1, Shrek 2, or Shrek 3? I hope to make a return to the game at some oh, point. I came in like a Shrek and ball. Brilliant. Well, thank you, James, for tickling oh, my God, fancy I'm there. Flushed. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't expecting it. No. It's like you've cast a spell and I've repelled it. I was hoping you were going to say, James, I've not seen Shrek either either one, two, or three in 15 oh. years. And I'd be like, great. You, you're, the look on your face, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yesterday. I saw it. Amazing. Thing. Well, there you go, guys. Those were the games today. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you uh, are checking through the Shrek archives to check the answers. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. We also have a bonus episode going out this week as well by James Reviews. Dumb Money. And I also caught up on Stop Making Sense, which George, George reviewed the other week. I went to go see it. I also have thoughts. Go and check that out. Have a great week, guys, as ever. And just as I say every week, without sounding like a broken record, please continue to like, follow, subscribe, support us. And, uh, you know, all across Instagram and TikTok and everything. We really appreciate it. Send us in your emails, write in your reviews, give us a five-star rating wherever you can. We really appreciate it. We would have got- 100 tickets, now live. Get your tickets. Go Come to it. the pub quiz. Send us your voice notes You get to episode. see us in three-dimensional real time. Yeah. Shout out to Matt at the pub last weekend. He saw me. That was cool. And he's uh, he, he seen me I'm gonna, live. We, I'm going to tell you this right now, guys. We're both really tall. Oh, yeah. To so know how tall be... we are, you'll have to come find out. Yes. They'll have a great it. week. Bye.